John Moe Teeny Podcast, Episode H6, The History of Apple Computer. Now, this is a story that's uh, been often uh, cloaked in mystery. A lot of the founders of Apple Computer haven't really wanted to come forth with exactly why they were doing what they did, why they started things the, the way they did. And that is, it turns out, because the people that we associate with starting Apple Computer aren't really couldn't really be called the founders of Apple Computer per se. For that, we have to go back a little bit further and we have to go to Hamburg, Germany, because that is where the Beatles really first came together and and, and were who they eventually would be. That's when the band gelled. That's when the band really, uh, really connected. And that's when the band was finishing up negotiations to fire Pete Best. Now, hopefully you know, hopefully you know enough of your music history to know that Pete Best was the original drummer for the Beatles before Ringo Starr. And the Beatles did not like his drumming. He wasn't a good drummer, uh, such that Ringo Starr, by comparison, was a great drummer. That is how not very good <laughs> drums Pete Best was. I think the Beatles knew that they were onto something, that they had uh, some great success ahead of them. Uh, we won't be talking much about their history. We'll save that for another episode. But they knew that they had to, to move on without Pete Best. Pete was part of the group, though. He was part of the organization. He was a stakeholder. He he was really a partial owner of the Beatles, but they negotiated a settlement with him. The other, the lads in the band negotiated a settlement, and as part of that settlement, Pete Best promised to stay away from any future music projects involved with the Beatles. He was never allowed to go anywhere near them when they were playing music. He was not allowed to participate, certainly, in any music that they made, and he was actively discouraged in non-binding but rather severe language to ever listen to Beatles music. Now, what did Pete Best get in exchange for this? He got to use the name of any future business that the band started, provided the use of that name had nothing to do with music. So, you know, it didn't seem like that good of a deal to Best at the time because he thought, who, what kind of, what kind of business are these guys going to start? A, a haircut business where everybody has too long of haircuts? That's not a business. That's a terrible that's a terrible business model for a barber, for instance. That makes no sense. Or what are they going to start? Some business of where they could teach you to go, whoo. No, come on. That's stupid, thought Pete Best. But he's decided to go along. What choice did he have? But uh, he signed the contract. And so being out of the band and wandering around London... He found that everything sort of reminded him of the band. And uh, he would see someone on the street and think that they were John Lennon. And he'd call out, John. And the person would turn around and it would be an old lady or a horse or a chimpanzee. And Pete realized that John Lennon was, was gone from his life. And a single uh, tear 
rolled down his cheek as the song In My Life by the Beatles, which would be written many, many years later, ran through his head. So a dissolute Pete Best then moves to California, where he he just picked the most un-London place he could think of that also had some music going on because Pete Best loved music. So he wants he moves there, he wants to become involved in the burgeoning music scene. And he becomes involved in it. He plays uh, he plays drums for Jefferson Truck, which was the predecessor band to Jefferson Airplane, long before Jefferson Starship. He drummed for an early incarnation of the Grateful Dead, um, but he was fired from from all these bands. He was he was fired very soon after joining Jefferson Truck, and the the band that became the Grateful Dead that he was fired from, his firing was actually what inspired the name of the band. Jerry Garcia said to him, you're fired, Pete, and we'll all be grateful when you're dead. And then he left. And then the band took a lot of drugs and talked about how great it was going to be one day when Pete Best was dead. And, uh, and it just sort of caught on. Now, when you have a name like Pete Best and you're from England, which everybody knows, everybody knew at the time, was making these wonderful, wonderful music bands. It was the time of, they called it the British Invasion because the the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Kinks and Herman's Hermits and all these bands invaded America and killed hundreds of people at their concerts. That's why all those young girls were screaming because the country was being invaded but they were very good at music. Everybody knew that. And so being British and having the Beatles on his resume and some of these other bands on his resume, he got all kinds of jobs. People were really, really eager to hire him for drumming jobs. Catch was, though, of course, as you might have noted from how often uh, Pete Best was fired, he was quite bad at the drums. Like, okay, I can't play drums, right? But I can tap my foot to a beat. I can I can keep a rhythm going. I can keep it in my head. I, I don't know which drum to hit. Well, Pete Best was very, very bad at the drums. He wouldn't play to any particular rhythm. Uh, he wasn't sure how many sticks to hold in his hand at any given time. He didn't know which side of the drum to hit. Often he would he would do a sort of stabbing motion and stab the drum with his drumstick. And then, of course, it wasn't wasn't any good after that. You, you couldn't play the drums. But he wouldn't even be aware that he had stabbed his drum to the point of inoperability. That's just the way Pete Best was. But, again, the jobs came because of his name. He would say, oh, I'm Pete Best and I'm best at the drums. And that would be enough when you're in the 1960s in San Francisco and you're stoned. You believe that. So he cycles through all these bands. He goes through all these bands and plays a gig with them, stabs his drum kit, gets fired. And through all these one gig payouts, he's able to make a a pretty good living for a while um, around San Francisco because there's a lot of bands. But finally, after, after many years, this is... This is into the 1970s by this point. Uh, He's run out of gigs. He has run through every band in San Francisco, and the word's gotten around by this point that that he doesn't know how to play drums. 
So he's thinking of what to do, and he decides to look up whatever became of his old band. And he thinks, well, I'm, I'm probably violating the, uh, the rules here, the rules of, of the settlement by even looking up what happened to the band. But I wonder, I wonder if they ever made a record. You know, I wonder if anything ever, ever came of them. So he, he went to the library and he, um, he got on Google, which was then a large printed volume that was available only at the library. And he looked them up and he was amazed. He was like, oh, this is, you know, a hard day's night and help and the yellow submarine uh, these these were all from from those guys and he was really I mean, he was happy for them he was sad that he didn't get to be a part of it um, but that's when he found out about Apple Records so Apple Records was the was the label that the Beatles started so they could have more control over their own music and Apple Records was named after the only food that Ringo ever ate or still eats. Um, but they couldn't call it Caramel Apple Records, which is the, the version of, of Apple that Ringo eats constantly, like several per day. It's not just to, for basic nutrients. It's, it's all day long. Ringo Starr eats caramel apples. So they called it Apple Records because you don't want your record to have caramel on it. It gets sticky. So Pete finds out about this after the Beatles have broken up. And he thinks, well, I have permission to do something with the name Apple. I can start a business and it'll be associated with, with in people's mind with the Beatles. I just have to make sure that, uh, that I don't uh, play any music with it, which was sort of a relief to Pete Best at that point because he had impaled so many drum kits at that point. It was getting expensive. He had piled them up in his garage. He had a little, a little house in the Bay Area and it was just the garage was just packed with drums. So he thinks, well, what can I do? What can I do with Apple? And he has a, a slight interest in technology. He had heard about computers. He thought those sounded interesting. And he has a strong, passionate interest in the name Steve. He is not, he's straight. I mean, not that it matters, but he's straight. So it's not like a romantic interest in guys named Steve. He just loves the word Steve. He loves the the way it sounds, the way there's an E on either side of the V. And he loves the, you know, the kind of build up to it. And then the, you know, that, that whole thing, it's just such a lovely combination. And, and it, it, he'll get it tattooed on his neck several times over the course of the year. So, so he thinks, well, what can I do with an interest in, in technology and an interest in the word Steve? So he goes to a meeting of the Homebrew Computer Club, and he meets up with this guy, Steve Wozniak. And as soon as Steve Wozniak introduces himself, he has got Pete Best's attention. And Wozniak shows up at this meeting with a computer that he had made at home. He had, kinda, he had a flair for electronics. He was good at it. He called it the goddamn sucky computer. And... It was really, it was impressive, not necessarily for what it then was, but for what he was able to do with it. He could, um, he could make something that could be reproduced fairly cheap. It could be something that could be easy to use. I mean, it wasn't yet because it was all, it was made of wood and glass. It wasn't even 
There were very few electronic components to it. It was difficult to use. It had sharp, jagged pieces of glass poking out all over. And and Steve Wozniak, when he demonstrated it, said, see how it is to use? And he would tap on the keyboard, except he didn't yet have a keyboard. He just had the glass. So then he was he would hold up his, his bleeding hands and say, it's so easy. Who wants to invest? And nobody really did because they didn't see the future of, of profuse hand bleeding as it related to home computers. And, he, and Wozniak was, would bandage up his hands and say, later on, this will be a MacBook Pro. But, but that didn't mean anything to anybody. But Pete Best was really intrigued by this, and he thought if we could make some, some slight changes, we could really be on to something here. And he went and talked to Wozniak. He said, I think we can do something with this. Uh, I'm Pete Best. I'm bad at drums. But when it comes to computers, I'm the best. And that was enough for Wozniak. He, he fell for it, especially because he had lost a lot of blood by that point. So Best uh, had no... Uh, experience with electronics or with shards of glass, and he had no sales experience. Um, But he had Wozniak in terms of building the actual machines. I think they both saw where it could go. Best offered up the idea of of less glass, maybe not so much wood, maybe something else, maybe more uh, computer parts in it, for instance. That might make a positive difference. And Wozniak took that note, and he, he promised to consider it. But neither of them were good at sales. And if you're going to make a computer and you're going to get it out into the world, you've got to be able to sell it. And Pete Best said, if only there was someone available who could, well, first of all, he said, we've got to change the name. I've got this word Apple that I own business rights to. So instead of the goddamn sucky computer, let's call it the Apple sucky computer, which was later shortened to just Apple computer because they forgot to say sucky. But they didn't have any sales experience. And Bess said to Wozniak, if only there was someone available who could sell this thing so that we could make a, mo- we could make a company, we could make money, we could provide more jobs for people, just like all the, the jobs that I had drumming for, for all these bands around San Francisco. We need somebody, we need to hire somebody and have that be their job and then later on make jobs for other people and get these computers out so people could use them at their jobs. We need somebody with, uh, for the, we need the, the jobs person. Wozniak had some ideas. He said, well, I have a friend named Jobs Johnson. No, it didn't, didn't sound right. Well, how about uh, my friend Terry Jobs O'Jobberson? And Beth said, well, is, that, what, is Jobs his actual name? No, Jobs is a nickname. It's a derivative of O'Jobberson. But it was just missing something. Finally, Wozniak had an idea. He said, what about Steve Jobs? Yeah, tell me more about this Steve Jobs. And Wozniak had had pulled a bit of a fast one at that point because the only thing he could think of was was to capture this occultist hobo who he had spotted squatting in a series of tree forts around town when the children who lived in the house were out on vacations. And he trapped the, the occultist and told him his name was Steve Jobs now, and he was really good at sales. And 
the, the hobo occultists believe this. So they had their team. They had Steve Wozniak building machines. They had Steve Jobs, the newly christened Steve Jobs, to go out and, and sell this thing. And they had Pete Best on drums. Best says, I have good news because I was in the Beatles. I'm going to take all this money from the Beatles to make uh, palatial headquarters. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going to make a whole new building just for for Apple computers or Apple sucky computers, whatever we decide to call it. I've got a fortune. And he finally goes and uh, to, to get a, a bank loan based on on this money. And he gets a whopper of one because even though the Beatles didn't want it this way, it's going to be inextricably linked. And people who knew a little bit about history knew about Pete Best and they knew that he was fired. So they knew that uh, they probably felt guilty that that he was fired in, in favor of Ringo. So the banks were lining up to give money. So he gets he gets something like $61 million in investment to start up Apple computer. This is just a start. This is just before a single machine has been sold. Unfortunately, right when he got those checks, the drum creditors started coming. All the drum kits that he had bought based on his ability to succeed in bands later on, bands that then fired him, revenue that was not realized, he had racked up about $61 million in in shattered drum fees and unpaid drums and unrepossessable drums. It was very expensive. So there went all the money from the Beatles. But he still had the name. He just had no cash. So they move into Pete Best's actual garage. He moves all the drums out. He throws them out onto the sidewalk like you do, like you're supposed to do. And that's where Apple Computer gets started. Um, It was... It was in Pete Best's own garage. Now, later on, they would move to a series of other garages after uh, Pete Best originally, in his own garage, uh, kept parking his car and smashing the the computers that were starting to be built. Uh, they tried other garages of that Steve Jobs pointed out because he knew which families were going to be on vacation, of course, from sleeping in their, their tree forts. And... That got complicated because those families would eventually arrive home and they'd have to run out the back of the garage with all their their gear and jump over fences. And and that was no way to have a a computer company. Come on. Finally, they settled on the garage that we all know that has been depicted and talked about in in so many stories, which uh, was adjoining a house that had been abandoned because it was haunted. So... They spend months in that garage, months and months tinkering and tinkering about what to do with the computer. They tried everything. They tried different kinds of glass. They tried plastic. They tried uh, capturing uh, some some animals and putting them to work because they had seen that on the Flintstones, and they thought that that could be a good thing. And all the while, Pete Best is drumming, 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 and it's Pete Best drumming, so it's just a cacophony of sounds. And finally, Wozniak has this machine that he thinks is, is pretty good. And he shows it to Jobs, and Jobs says, okay, well, I'm going to take this out into the world. And he takes this 
pretty crude computer. It's, it doesn't even have a keyboard attached to it. It doesn't have uh, a monitor to it. It's supposed to hook up to your television, and you're supposed to, to do all your computing that way. And he... And it doesn't even it doesn't have any wires in it. You have to buy the wires and connect them to things. It's more just the idea of a computer. And then it's they put a bunch of apples in it because it, it's Apple computer. It's really mostly a box of apples is what they have at this point. The first Apple computer was sold without pretty much the computer. It was apples. It realistically. Steve Jobs had a basket full of apples and he'd go to the computer store and he'd say, hey, do you want to have my computer sold in your store? And the, the store managers at, at Radio Shack and, and Computer World and the Apple store were skeptical at first. They said that that's just a basket of apples. And Steve Jobs said, no, it's not. It's a computer. And there was something about the way he would say that. He would be wearing a mock turtleneck. He'd be standing on a big stage at a consumer electronics expo of some sort. And they believed it. They bought into it. They said, how much can we pay you? We want to pay you as much as possible for this computer. And the orders started rolling in. And soon, Apple Computer occupied several garages all around the Bay Area. Just about every haunted house that had a garage that you could take over was, was uh, you know, moved into by Apple Computer. Soon after that, Steve Wozniak leaves the company and, and falls asleep for decades. Steve Jobs stays with the company and uh, sequesters Pete Best into what he calls a basement office to really concentrate. And it's a soundproof room where Pete Best can play his, his clamorous drums all day long. And that is how the company starts to build. It, the Apple is followed by the Apple II and the Apple III. Later on, the Lisa, named after Steve Jobs's middle name, Lisa. And then the Macintosh, named after the successful computers made by Apple. These all come along, and eventually, Steve Jobs is fired. Now, why is he fired? Because he refused to sing along with Pete Best. No, no, that's not why. No, it has something to do with business or something. Steve Jobs is fired and goes away and starts Pixar and starts General Motors and is eventually brought back to Apple. And that's when he invents the iPod, and that's when he invents the iPad, and that's when he invents uh, the, the Apple Watch, and then uh, that's when he invents everything else. Now, he dies at some point in there, but here's the thing about Steve Jobs. Remember where he came from. He came from, from being an occultist, living in tree forts, and he came from working in the garages of haunted houses. So Steve Jobs is more powerful than death. He spent a lifetime preparing for this. He is still working at Apple Computer today. He's taken a more low-profile position. Investors get nervous around ghosts. That's proven. But he, he's still 
he's still very much a part of the action because that's how things work. As for Pete Best, he is at last report still alive down in the basement at Apple Computer. He's been sealed in a room that there is sufficient oxygen pumped in. He's on an IV drip that provides his, him his nourishment. He is connected to what I'll delicately say is a series of tubes uh, to keep him uh, void of fluids and solids and waste. And uh, he is allowed to drum and he wants nothing more. A- after a certain point, all the meetings and all the electronics and all the trying to join up with a new band and all the figuring out what drumming actually is became too much. It, it wasn't what he wanted. Pete Best is hooked up to a really horrifying series of machines, which are very noisy in the concrete bunker that he lives in deep beneath Apple Computer. But there he is, and I think he's happy in his own way. And that's the story of Apple Computer. John Moe, Teeny Podcast, Episode H6.